It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 275, Quantum podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world from a Christian perspective, but open to all. And you are very welcome wherever you are listening. And we have people, we do have people listening from all over the world. As always, there are links to all the stories and songs and so on on theweeflee.com. And as always, we're very open to receive your news and information and criticism. I want to begin with a quote from Stephen Hawking. The greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance, it is the illusion of knowledge. And I do want to say that as we look through all of this stuff, there may be something saying, well, that's not right, I know more than him, and you may know much more than me. But we're just trying to find things out. And we are admitting we're ignorant of many things. But we're looking at the news, looking at various things that are going on and commenting on them, hopefully in a helpful way. Well, let's begin with this very sad news. Tributes for a comedy great. There's nobody like Chandler, so um, it's a terrible loss. Outside this New York apartment building, the setting for Friends, at the Burbank Studios, where Matthew Perry helped make the hit 90s comedy across 10 years, and at the actor's Los Angeles home, where he died yesterday. The 54-year-old believed to have drowned in his hot tub. I left the message. I have some pride. Do you? No. (laughs) Today, his family telling People magazine, Matthew brought so much joy to the world, both as an actor and a friend. Just last year, Perry's memoir revealed his decades-long battle with alcohol and drugs. The star even saying he felt sorry looking back on his days as Chandler Bing. Because that's a guy that's out of control. In Los Angeles, Tim Lester. That was Matthew Perry. Now, as soon as I heard he died, I went off and got his autobiography on um, my Kindle. And I read it in a couple of days. To be honest, it's not a riveting read. Um, Just incredibly sad. Uh, 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 And so indicative of so much of our culture. I think what I found most intriguing was the character he plays on Friends, Chandler, the guy who makes a joke about everything but deeply hurt by uh, his parents' breakup and can't cope with relationships. That very, very much reflected Perry. Um, And he was incredibly addicted to prescription drugs, alcohol, and so on. So much so that he also almost died a couple of times from that. However... I was intrigued as well that he records his debate with Peter Hitchens and he could not stand Peter Hitchens because Hitchens refused to recognize his addiction as a disease and challenged him on that. And, you know, reading the book, I think Hitchens kind of had a point. Um, It's interesting as well that so many, and I've just read someone just now explicitly in Australia saying he's an example of someone who came to faith. Well, not from that book he isn't, and the book was just published last year. Uh, his idea of God, his idea of faith, 
it is a bit strange. For example, he says this, I frantically began to pray with the desperation of a drowning man. The last time I prayed, right before I'd gotten friends, I'd managed only to strike a Faustian bargain with a god who'd simply drawn a long breath and bided his time. Here I was, more than a decade later, chancing my praying arm once again. God, please help me, I whispered. Show that you are here. God, please help me. As I prayed, the little wave in the air transformed into a small golden light. As I kneeled, the light slowly began to get bigger and bigger until it was so big that it encompassed the entire room. It was like I was standing on the sun. I had stepped on the surface on the sun. I had been in the presence of God. I was certain of it. And this this time I had prayed for the right thing, help. Now, it's true that after that, for a couple of years, he stayed sober. But as you read on, you realize his idea of God is a very vague one, nothing to do with Jesus, and ultimately making no real difference in terms of his life because he went back on these uh, drugs and it sounds as though that was the, the reason that he died. His body was ruined by them. Now... Why do Christians do this? Why do we want to rush into print and say that someone who's just died became a Christian? Is it kind of affirmation by celebrity? I'm not sure. But I think we need to be very careful. Now, I don't know that he didn't become a Christian. I don't know his heart. I don't know. All I've read is his book and his own words. I don't know what happened to him at the end. I don't know if someone spoke to him the gospel because he certainly needed to hear it. But there is no indication of it. You cannot pronounce everyone who has some kind of spiritual experience as being a Christian. And then there's uh, this interview that he did on the launch of his book. By the way, looking dreadful in the interview. I say in the book that um, if I did die, it would shock people, but it wouldn't surprise anybody. And that's what I'm doing with writing this book. That's why I wanted to do it. I wanted to talk about the highs and the lows because people are suffering out there. And maybe if they hear a story from somebody they've seen on TV that's worse than theirs or just the same as theirs, they'll be filled with hope, which is the key thing. That was an interview with People magazine. And, you know, it sounds good. People are suffering and He's hoping that because they've seen him on the telly and his suffering is just the same as theirs, they'll be filled with hope. Well, not if they read his book, because his book is utterly hopeless. And I don't know how that works. I mean, I've I've known several drug addicts. And the idea that this guy who got $10 million a year, that somehow his life is the same as theirs... I don't think so. That doesn't make any kind of sense, really. I think just overall, my feeling is one of just such sorrow and the need to tell people the story of the gospel. I think he was seeking. There's no question about that. But did he find? The day will tell. Okay, I'm going to come on to our album of the week, and I think it's actually appropriate after this story. I've been listening this week to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Still, I I doubt it will ever be out of my top ten albums. 
This is The Great Gig in the Sky. Okay, I want to follow up something from last week. We looked at AI. And uh, here, there was a big conference this week, and I think it's a good thing to have had this conference. And here is the American Vice President, Kamala Harris, um, talking of her aim for it. I believe history will show that this was the moment when we had the opportunity to lay the groundwork for the future of AI a future where AI is used to advance human rights and human dignity, where privacy is protected and people have equal access to opportunity, where we make our democracies stronger and our world safer, a future where AI is used to advance the public interest. And that is the future President Joe Biden and I are building. Now, I'm tempted to say that with Kamala Harris, I'd be looking for some intelligence, not just artificial intelligence. Uh, I, I, I find her, for someone who's in such a high position, to have a, an extraordinary lack of understanding. And to, she speaks such gobbledygook. I mean, this time it was relatively clear, but... Human rights and dignity, equal access to opportunity, the world will be a safer place because of this conference and AI and President Joe Biden and I are going to save the world from AI, which she didn't exactly say that, but that was the implication. I think she is vastly underestimating several things. One is the power of AI and two is the stupidity and the sinfulness of human beings. So, for example, on this issue, I read this week that two years ago, an AI was developed that could in a few hours rediscover from scratch internationally banned chemical agents and, at the same time, invent 40,000 more promising toxins. So we could have machines which are designing toxins that can kill human beings. It's bad enough when humans do it. Okay, we have to come on. Uh, to Israel and, and Gaza again. And, 
you know, the war is ongoing. Um, the suffering of the Palestinian people in Gaza is horrendous. I'm still trying to find people who can seriously come up with an alternative because most of the people I know who are just advocating, well, let's have a ceasefire, let's have a ceasefire, are not taking into account that this isn't primarily a war about land. It is actually a war about religion. So here, for example, is an Egyptian religious leader on TV. Now, um, please be assured that what he's saying is that the conflict in the Middle East has nothing to do with territory and everything to do with the existence of Jews. He says the Palestinians are simply Muslims who are fulfilling their religious obligation to fight the Jews. He says that the Prophet Muhammad said that the war against Jews should continue till the end of time. Hamas have in their charter these words of uh, the oh, servant of Allah, there is a Jew behind me, this is a tree or a stone or sometimes it's a wall, come and kill him. They talk about, the, the religious teacher there talked about the Jews being the filth of Medina and being cleansed out of Medina and that judgment day won't come until all Muslims fight the Jew, the Jews and America especially, but the West in general, are Jews. You need to understand that it's a hatred of Jewish people that drives so much of it. Yes, of course, there are Palestinians who are suffering who don't share that and who genuinely do want some degree of peace and certainly freedom for their own people. But for Israel, from the Jordan to the sea means Palestine is going to be free of Jews. And where can the Jews go? The world's full of people who hate them. Here's an example. Now, I've, I've sought to verify this, and I think uh, we've been able to do so. Um, this is from a UN school in, in Jerusalem, actually. And uh, listen to a little bit of it. These children are saying things like, at school they teach us that all Palestine is ours, the Jews are liars. At school they teach us that Jews are bad people, fickle people. I am ready to stab a Jew and run over them. And if you think that hatred is confined to the Middle East, well, the Middle East has brought its problems to the rest of the world. Here, for example, is Chris Law, uh, SMP MP for Dundee West, uh, at a demonstration complaining about the attacks on Gaza. Listen to this. Absolutely support a two-state solution. I'm absolutely appalled at what's going on. Do you condemn the genocide in Gaza Strip? Do you condemn the genocide in Gaza Strip? I condemn all the indiscriminate actions in Gaza. Now, what was he doing? 
all he was doing was very simple. He was just simply saying that he was against genocide on both sides. He was against what was happening in Gaza, and he was against what Hamas did in Israel, which you'd think, you know, almost any sensible person would be. But he's being shouted down. He's being shouted down by people who think that what happened in Israel was fine. And then if you go to America, the New York Times rehired a Palestinian journalist who, amongst other things, in 2012 had posted, How Great You Are, Hitler. In 2018, he described himself as feeling in a state of harmony as Hitler was during the Holocaust. The New York Times said, We reviewed problematic social media posts by Mr. Hijay when they first came to light in 2022 and took a variety of actions to ensure he understood our concerns and could adhere to our standards if he wished to do freelance work for us in the future. Mr. Hijay followed these steps and has maintained high journalistic standards. He has delivered important and impartial work at great personal risk in Gaza during this conflict. A man who admired Hitler giving impartial work. (laughs) Uh, This from a newspaper that fires people for misgendering people. But they allow an admirer of Hitler to be their impartial source. I think it was Brendan O'Neill who said that um, in the worldview the New York Times has adopted, no white person, Jews very much included, can ever be anything other than an oppressor or an ally, and no brown or black person can ever be anything other than a victim or a heroic freedom fighter. That's it. Well, we need to be so careful in this world. And again, I just simply repeat, I don't know the answer to this situation. I think it's horrendous what's happening in Gaza. I think it was pure evil what happened in Israel, and I don't know the answer, but I do know that under no circumstances would I support Hamas, and I would certainly defend the right of Israel to defend itself. All right, I tell you what, let's go to our country of the week and stay in the Middle East. Let's see if you know this one. I think it's the oldest country in the world. Egypt. Egypt, O mother of all lands, my hope and my ambition, how can one count the blessings of the Nile for mankind? Mankind, An amazing country, officially known as the Arab Republic of Egypt, uh, been around since 3500 BC, over 1 million square kilometres with 110 million people. Most of that 1 million square kilometres is desert. You think of the fact that last week, Argentina was 2 million square kilometres, twice the size, but with half the population. Egypt, a country just full of ancient civilizations, um, An incredibly fascinating and beautiful country. Now, Islam is the majority and the official religion of the country. But the, the Christian minority, particularly the Coptic Church, It's huge. Now, we don't know how huge. Why? Because since 2006, religion was omitted from censuses after widespread claims that the figures had been distorted. Estimates range from as low as 5% to 
to as high as 20%. If it was 10%, that would be 11 million people. 20% would be 22 million people. There are a lot of Christians in Egypt. Now, one of the things in terms of the news from Egypt is the Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas are, are basically the same. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood in the 1980s, 1920s, and 2000s had numerous terrorist attacks in Egypt and began to target Christian groups, foreign tourists, and government officials. Their serious damage was done to Egypt's economy, tourism. I remember thinking of going on holiday to Egypt, actually, and decided not to go because of this. I think it's called Al-Gamiya al-Islamiya was the terrorist group. But since... The president came to power, the new president, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi. He's gone the opposite way. He's even ordered churches to be built and paid for by the state. He celebrated Coptic Christmas at the Yabiasa Cathedral in Cairo. Uh, Really quite extraordinary. Um, Pray for our brothers and sisters in Egypt, and especially as they have to face this situation. The reason the Egyptian government is not opening the border to Gaza is because of what happened in 1948 when uh, nearly a million Palestinians crossed over and never went back. And they are very concerned. They're also very concerned about if they open the border, Hamas, who are basically their enemy, now are will come in. Here's a, something a bit more cheerful. 70,000 Coptic Christians singing in the cave church. Okay, uh, well, this uh, this had to make me smile, but I have to play this first of all. Here's Bing Crosby. Well, if you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down in the woods today, you'd better go in disguise. For every bear that ever there was will gather there for certain, because today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic. This is our woke world. This is from the Environmental Law Society. In light of recent information regarding historical and offensive connotations associated with the word picnic, we have chosen to rename our event to Lunch by the Lake. The Environmental Law Society strongly promotes diversity and inclusion, and we sincerely apologize for any harm or discomfort for the, the initial title may have caused. We are committed to fostering a welcoming environment for all, except bears who like picnics. Oh, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Also unbelievable, Scotland doesn't know what a woman is. The inner house of the Court of Session ruled on an appeal of a group called Four Women Scotland who are a tremendous group group on the meaning of sex and the Equality Act. And the, the feminist group lost their challenge. Now what that means is if someone gets a gender recognition certificate and the Scottish government are proposing to make that just as simple as going to the post office really, then 
Men who get gender recognition certificates will be, in the eyes of Scottish law, legally women. Well, sometimes the law is mad. And that is, this is definitely one case. This so drives a coach and horses through much of the equality legislation. Oh, I tell you what, the people who do this are brain damage, which brings me back to my album of the week, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. This is Brain Damage. The lunatic is on the grass The lunatic is on the grass Remembering games And daisy chains and laughs Got to keep the lunas on the path The lunatic is in the hall The lunatics are in my hall The paper holds their folded faces to the floor Every day the paper boy brings more And if the dam breaks open many years too soon And if there is no room upon the hill And if your head explodes with us Okay, in sport, we have to mention the South Africans. What a game that was against New Zealand. I Did they deserve to win it? I don't know, but they did. They just won it. And it reminded me of that brilliant film, which if you haven't seen, you must see. The I think it was 2006, 2007. Uh, it was made, but it was about the 1995 World Cup. Uh, it was produced by Clint Eastwood. Didn't star him because it was really about Mandela and I think Brad Pitt was in it as well, wasn't he? Called Invictus. And uh, this is the speech that the white rugby captain makes during the final at the end. Heads up! Looking mad! Do you hear? Listen to your country. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. Defense, defense, defense. This is it! This is our destiny! Come, Boko! Destiny and defense. Eh? Well, I have to say, I did totally admired South Africa's defense. Uh, before we go, let's seek 14. This question was, why is my family not Christian? The reading I gave was 1 Corinthians 7 and first, uh, the text 1 Corinthians seven sixteen. How do you know wife whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know husband whether you will save your wife? We want the best for the people we love. The best is for them to come to know Christ. And uh, I go on to talk in that question, and you can get it by buying the Seek book or just simply just go onto the website. I will have posted it there by the time this goes out. Um, 
And we talk about how there's opposition that some people face because they become Christians. More often than not, the family may well be apathetic, uh, but tolerant. We talk about how it's not wise to preach at your family or to seek to evangelize them in that sense, but for ourselves to be drawn so close to Christ that they will want to know what makes a difference. I think it's a wonderful question to be asked by a young believer, and I'm coming across more and more young believers, by the way. Well, we're going to finish a couple of things. There was an amazing conference in uh, London. Uh, Several people I know were at it, including I've just been listening to uh, Oz Guinness, uh, Jordan Peterson, Ian Herson Ali, just an, an just an incredible group of people there. I've got one or as I say, I've got one or two friends there. I wasn't invited, but I couldn't have gone anyway. John Anderson was the other person. That's right. Um, go onto the ARC website for their conference, and you will hear some just amazing talks, great talks. In fact, I may take one of them and just do a whole uh, quantum on it. But this gentleman was sent to me by one of you. Uh, Joshua Luke Smith, and he wrote this specifically for the ARC conference. Josh is a pastor, poet, producer, and published author. He founded Orphan No More, a record label, and a creative community, and The Samus, a charity helping the lives of offenders. I love this, so let's just listen to the whole of it. We have killed our prophets, and we have killed for prophets. We have lost our sense of the transcendent, and it has cost us our conscience. In those days, men will become like monsters trading honesty for nonsense, tying nooses around the necks of anyone who refuses to bow before Molech. There must be more. There must be more. There must be more. Rome wasn't built in a day, but I bet they built Babel in a morning. See, we have become laborers hell-bent on taking heaven's glory. We have forgotten that better story. So this day is a good time for mourning as the light of a blood moon adorns the coming dawn. This day is a good time for the gnashing of teeth, for the people to speak of their wounds and defeat. For what could be worse for our children's children than the inheritance of ungrieved grief? The rivers of blood, they run red in our streets. For we have concreted over the Euphrates. Now we live east of Eden and south of Hades. I saw a mother clutching her babies, praying to a God she doesn't believe in. But where else is she to turn when she's being forced to sacrifice her children on an altar to hedonism? Here's the meaning. Freedom ain't free unless it costs you. And you can't bear the weight of liberation if you can't carry a cross too. Walking up a hill shaped like a skull in nothing other than God's shoes. We come from dust, yet unlike those statues of clay that one day will rust, to quote Sagan, we are made of star stuff, yet like pagans, we have traded love for lust, leaning upon a crutch of our self-sufficiency, trying to heal a wound with the same consciousness that caused it, so how can man live differently? I submit that we must return to a vision that we forgot, a vision that we lost in our infancy, You know when fairy tales were true? What was it that C.S. Lewis mused? May you believe in those old stories again, where dragons are slain and goodness prevails and heaven and earth are separated by no more than a veil or a wardrobe or a desk or no less a heart that cannot help but confess there must be more. 
There must be more. There must be more. So here we are, gathered, battle ragged and backstabbed, gagged and dragged through trenches with arrows in our backs and rations in our sacks, bruised, bloodied and blackened with hands calloused from stacking bricks upon bricks upon bricks. But we are mystics, those who have seen a great vision where one day even this day of great darkness will itself be eclipsed. And in the midst of the rubble will stand not a tower or a temple of power, but a humble Ebenezer. The evidence of good and faithful work, the evidence of a redeemer and generations from now, they will not know our names, but we pray that they have been carried on our backs and spurred on by our claim that there must be more. There must be more. There must be more. And then let's return to Matt Perry. He says this in his book, I frantically began to pray with the desperation of a drowning man. Well, we read that. I told you that already in this, this light. We, remember, we said that before. He was standing on the light. He says he was certain he was in the presence of God. Well, I would want to say to Matt Perry, I'd want to say to so many others, there is so much more. Perry had as much sex with whoever he wanted. He had as much money as he could possibly want. He had fame, he had fortune, he was greatly admired. And yet his life was empty, it was shallow, it was lonely. There is so much more. But that much more comes from Christ. And that's always what I hang on to. There's, Lord, you've got more. Lord, more, please. That's not being greedy. You send drops of your blessing, you send showers of your blessing. So we're going to finish with this song from the Gettys, His Mercy Is More. Thanks to Peter for producing this. Thanks to those of you who helped support this. Um, I, I realize that one or two of you are having some trouble with that. If you are, just email me. Uh, thanks to all of you who've contributed in different ways. And thanks most of all to Christ. His mercy is always more. Whatever circumstance you're facing, his mercy is more. Well, may God bless you and see you next week. Bye. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more Stronger than darkness New every morn Our sins there are many His mercy is
life was the cost we stood.